resiste un palo Tevez, Tevez da solo, Tevez, Tevez, Tevez è lì per l'anima, fuori tutti Tevez! game this week the u.s go within 10 minutes of destroying the world but stop short against thailand a neymarless brazil struggle at culpa america and no way sam kerr and the matilda's guns misfire going out on penalties against norway my name's tommy and we've got a bit of a treat today uh, a mid-world cup and an almost mid-culpa america pod now, look, our reactions are unlikely to be as controversial as Hope Solo's, nor as popular as the Ladies League TV, but we hope you enjoy it anyway. Today, I'm not joined by pod stalwart Colby, who's uh, he's off uh, overseas at the moment, he's taking his partner on a well-deserved end-of-season trip after hosting the, the bulk of the podcast uh, for the last 12 months. However, I am joined by our resident Kiwi, Jesse Farmer. Um, Jesse, it seems as though the football's never stopped over the last, well, however long. Like, it, it's just never stopped. Uh, what with, like, the A-League and the Premier League and the Socceroos. Uh, but, look, the last few weeks have been a little bit different, haven't they? Like, with the Women's World Cup. And, look, to be perfectly honest, this is the closest I've followed women's football and ever. Uh, are you enjoying it? Yeah, I am. Thank you for, for welcoming me on again. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a hell of a tournament. Um, I, uh, it's been a wild ride, hasn't it? It's been it? a wild ride. I, I was trying to, I was going back through the books to try and see when I last watched uh, w- women's football and, and actually, you know, followed a p- proper tournament. It was 2008 FIFA Under 17, Under 17 Women's World Cup. Was that in New, New Zealand? Zealand? In New oh, Zealand, nice. yeah. And tickets were $10, and <laughs> um, I went down and watched uh, the USA play against, oh, I think it was South Korea or uh-huh. Germany uh, uh-huh. in the semi final, and, and the USA won. Um, but convincingly, I'm sure. Convincingly, but now, now that I think about it, a lot of the, the the stars or some of the stars that remain in the USA team must have been very much at the beginning of their careers back then. So yeah, um, it's, cool. it's the great thing about some of those youth tournaments, like male or female, is that you can see some. You might see the next Alex Morgan. You might see the next Messi. You, you never know who who you're looking at. Um, but anyway, so uh, look. Um, being a little bit of a, a different pod today, uh, we're not going to run through the normal style with the rundowns of all the matches and so on and so forth. But what we will do today is we're, we're going to sort of uh, try and cut through some of the highlights or lowlights of, uh, of the group stage. So, um, Jesse, do you want to kick us off with one of your highlights or, or moments of the group stage uh, thus far? Yeah, and, and some of them can sort of mix, be a mix between uh, moments of the week and own goals because if you look at it, I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is the uh, the Scotland versus Argentina game. Oh, and the, uh, this was sad, and, wasn't and, it? And giving up three goals in the last, what is it, 15 minutes or something. I, I just, it's the stuff of horror stories um, and... I, I it showed the brutality of football, like, and how what, what giveth can also taketh away. So quickly, so quickly. And uh, I. Uh, For those who may not have seen it, and look, mm. I'm sure everyone saw it or heard it. I'm sure everyone's seen point. it. But walk us through it, walk us through it. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I think with about, I think, top of my head, about 15 minutes to go, you got Scotland with 3 0. I think. I think looking was, pretty comfortable, look, right? Looking like they were cruising. And Argentina, who were the bottom of the, I think they were the bottom of the group. Um, 
I don't. Well, know they were if, at that point. <laughs> I don't know if mathematically they were really in the mix. I mean, goal difference and that mm. sort of thing. But they managed to pull three goals out in the last um, in the last fifteen minutes to uh, to equalise and to to shoot away uh, Scotland's um, hopes of progressing. So devastating for Scotland, who um, had been you know pretty um, pretty impressive this tournament and hanging in hanging in there in games. And the well, I think they drew against Japan, wasn't it? That was where they, uh, their point had come from thus far. That's um, right. In the and lead up to that match, and they and they they certainly didn't disgrace themselves against England as well, and they. They played really well, so I, I um oh, yeah, just brutal. Um, I suppose another one that comes to mind more recently is the um the Thailand um versus Chile game and um the uh, Chile's missed penalty at the very oh, very end. Um, spicy. That that was yeah, very, <laughs> very very spicy and um yeah um I mean a lot of their football in the tournament to that point had been too hot to handle, Tommy. Oh. But um <laughs> but I was pretty devastated. Uh, I, I never like seeing someone um, miss a penalty um, when it's that. I mean, obviously all penalties are important, but when it's that important, uh, she hit the bar, had a bit of a clangor, and they couldn't progress. Wow. It, it, like I said before, what uh, football giveth can also taketh away. Um, other, uh, one of my, I guess, moments of the, the tournament so far um, would probably be, uh, you mentioned it, uh, the country before uh, Thailand, and this is a bit of a co-moment. Was uh, Thailand and Jamaica both uh, scoring uh, respectively their uh, their first World Cup goals? And look, both teams didn't have great tournaments. They they were on the on the back of a couple of hidings, a couple of uh, obviously Thailand getting spanked by uh, the US and Jamaica conceding uh, three hat tricks in separate matches, which is pretty unique stat. Um, but all uh, both both teams uh, scored their first World Cup goal. So look, they and you, you saw with both teams how how much of a big deal this was to both of those teams that Just they to be there. Well, and to to break new ground and like you, at this tournament, you're really seeing yeah the likes of the US and um, and some of the bigger nations are, are, are meeting their expectations. But some teams just by even scoring a goal, they're they're Breaking your ground, they're bre- they're breaking their expectations, it's which a, is amazing, isn't it? Like, and we, you're preaching to the converted as well, because I mean, if there's anybody that loves the hashtag, just happy to be here, that's me. <laughs> and, and, and I appreciate a good just happy to be there, and and I think as well with um, with Jamaica and, and the like, they uh, they just really. It sort of embodies what the World Cup's about. I mean, obviously, um, my wife Joanna being Portuguese, I mean, they didn't even have a team at the tournament. It's it's amazing to think that uh, a country like Portugal with the, the, the football history, they, yeah. have, they haven't got a team there. So for Jamaica to be there um, yep. and to, you know, I mean, we, we, we've talked a lot about Schneider's uh, goalkeeping <laughs> performance. Schneider. <laughs> Schneider. Um, in that first game um, yeah, against Brazil. Uh you know, those sort of things are great. I think that's what the World Cup's all about. Just people just pulling performances that are just far... I mean, I, I don't know what her, her ceiling is. I mean, she's still very young, but people just pulling, you know... Sidney Schneider. <laughs> superhuman Schneider performances. <laughs> it was funny, you know, like, even the day after we watched um, uh, that Brazil-Jamaica match, um, my partner, Drew, uh, said to me, uh, what's what's the go with that Schneider joke? And I explained it to her and I showed her the video. And then about two days later, she did the voice to me, like completely un, un, unprovoked. Um, and I thought, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Well, I was, I was wondering why there were Bruce Jigler and Mal. 
I forgot, can't remember the name of that movie, but I was wondering why the ad's coming up. Juice, like, Juice Bigelow? Is that it? Juice Bigelow, the Mario Bigelow. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. I was wondering why they're coming up in my newsfeed, but <laughs> phone's always Man, I'm wondering that as well. <laughs> I'll leave that one open to the audience. Yeah, wow. All right, shall we keep moving along, though? <laughs> Uh, what, what was your next um, uh, moment of the moment of the week? Moment well, of the I tournament? suppose a, a lovely segue from that is probably Sam Kerr's suck on that comment. Um, yeah, because um, for a lot of people, this could have been an own goal type thing uh, for them. I think. I think. What was your take on it? My, my take on it was more. Um, I, I find that the the media is so hypersensitive at times, and when I mean, people talk about how fickle it can be, sometimes where you know somebody does something really well, and everyone's their best friend, and then all of a sudden you do something wrong, and it's just like immediately that, that you're dead. It to just the media. turns, yeah. Um, so I always appreciate a good sort of you know middle finger to the media when they behave like that because it's just very fickle. But um, but I think I think the thing about Sam Kerr, and I mean coming from a New Zealand perspective, I, I really like Sam Kerr as as a player, and she's she's amazing to watch. But I. I do wonder how her PR has been handled and, and, and during mm. around the tournament. I mean, obviously she's been in all the advertising. She was in that fantastic is it the Nike? Yeah, that's Nike a, ad. and it's a great ad, isn't it? And Up there with sort of the Jogo Benito ads of uh, sort of the mid early two thousands. But I, but I wonder if if she would have been better off. Um, I wonder if she would have been better off in a way. If she imagine if she wasn't imagine if she didn't have such a high profile. Um, I just wonder if she may, maybe wouldn't. Do you think it just would have blown over? I don't know if it's gone to her head. I, I, I think that's always a big, big comment to make. Ooh. But I do Ooh. feel like she's she's kind of she's probably felt the burden of being so popular more than ever before. And I mean, admittedly, I probably haven't watched her as long as you guys, but that's kind of how it looked to me. Yeah. And, and that I mean, people talk about the penalty miss. I mean, I think. You know, I'm maybe, not ready to talk about it yet, man. M- maybe, <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. But may- maybe the tournament itself and the tactics and the coach, I mean, we've got, we'll talk about that a bit later. Maybe a lot of other things um, were to, to sort of had an impact on her rather than just her own um, presence in the media. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, for me, um, I kind of had uh, two, two different reactions to this um, and they were sort of separated by about a day or so. At first, I thought... I just kind of laughed and and then thought, oh, uh, similar to what some, uh, I think, uh, Adam Peacock and I think might have been Vince Rigari, um, that both said on Twitter, like, well, who are the haters? Uh, sorry, I think it was uh, Richard Bayless, I think, from Optus. And um, both Adam Peacock and Richard Bayless were both like, but who are the haters? There aren't haters. Like, the, the media is incredibly supportive of Sam Kerr and the Matildas. And then uh, in the, I think it was about another 12 hours later or something like that, that Sam Kerr retweeted or uh, screenshotted mm, some of the, uh, I guess, that uh, homophobic abuse that she'd been copying um, from, I don't think it had been directly before or after the game, but just the kind of shit, basically, mm, that she yeah. has to deal with, um, which is hugely, hugely disappointing. And then my, my take on that comment was very different because I realised... Oh, it's not aimed at. Yeah, she might have perceived that there were some haters because they were uh, getting some criticism, but mm. it was largely aimed at the people who weren't staying up until two a.m. in the morning to watch the girls play. It was aimed at people who had no real interest in it, and just because she was uh, a female uh, uh, lesbian in 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 the public spotlight, that they wanted to basically have a have a dig at her. Yeah. Um, and say some pretty um, pretty horrible things. So um, I, I kind of 
I, I was much more inclined to to back her all the way after that and thought, yep, yeah, no, nah, like like uh, if you wanna if you wanna judge the girls on like their performances, yeah, absolutely, yep, be critical, be um, uh, as long as you're constructive or as long as you're uh, being sort of objective about the performances, but all of that other stuff, as far as I'm concerned, it's irrelevant. Like. The, what the girls up to the same way as I would be about uh, mm. any of the the guys, but um, yeah, the, that, the, that wasn't about their performance. That was about them as people. Which it's the double edge of Twitter, isn't it? I mean, it's it's all well and good being on there, and but it's just, you know you get people like that, and it's yeah. people have access to people when they really shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, and that part that I was just explaining that was why I would have considered it as uh, to be an own goal because mm. uh, it was not necessarily an own goal for for Sam, but I guess just for for soccer Twitter sometimes, even when it's not soccer Twitter. So yeah, another one of those you know ambiguous moment of the week slash own goals. Mm, um, tricky depending, one, huh? depending how you interpret it, right? Tricky one indeed. Uh, look, one of uh, I'm going to go uh, next uh, a moment of the week. It's not going to be uh, Brazil related nor Women's World Cup, but this one is going to be um, Alexis Sanchez related. Uh, another another uh, who, who? another spicy <laughs> one. Um, but look, what I what I will. Um, particularly draw attention to was, look, Alexis Sanchez has been a player that's been really struggling in the last at least 12 months, maybe longer, 18 months, since he's been at Man United. And he, he really played well against Chile. He uh, he got two goals. And he he really, I think, was relishing that additional responsibility um, that he that he gets for, uh, for Chile. And so uh, he, he really is their talisman. And so um, I thought that was great to have a player who really has been struggling with confidence, with fitness, and kind of just struggling to put it all together. But, uh, yeah, at a big, big tournament... Um, Chile are try- uh, aiming for a third consecutive Copper America victory mm, uh, mm. or championship. So uh, it was great to see him hit a little bit of form, and um, yeah, that was that was my second. It's just uh, it's just what Manchester United don't want, you know. It's them to actually start firing a little bit in the summer, and then they do, they've got that, you know. They almost, they almost want him to just be dead and buried so they can just sell him. And all of a sudden, he has a little surge of form. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, that's it. He'll leave and then he'll be brilliant at like someone else like Inter or something like that. I mean, that. you talk you about know. niche stats. I mean, I wonder if you, if you dug a little deeper and you, you sort of saw how many dog parks are around Manchester as well. Because I think uh, being a huge dog lover and always being having his two uh, retrievers or Labradors <laughs> by his side, um, if, Manchester, uh, if Manchester aren't, you know, they don't have enough good dog parks. It might be there might be a correlation between his performances and um, I mean maybe maybe when he's back home in Chile, there's there's, there's a better uh, recreational <laughs> facilities for the <laughs> for his canines. But we'll leave that out to uh, to the tortoisphere to to uh, d- decipher. Um, wow, wow. That's just my theory. I'm just just segueing on now from that. Um, I'm not sure how you can, but um, <laughs> just to um, to West Ham and. Uh, Hull City's kits from Umbro. Um, I thought I'd throw oh. a bit of a mention in for you so you didn't have to bring up West Ham this time, Tommy. Word to these uh, a delight. I, um, I know that a few of these things happened a week or two ago, but you know, we haven't been online for a while. And I have to say, um, very impressed. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of a, you know, a, a classic but also a, a clever kit. And some of the detail on the on the sleeves and the collars that Umbro have been bringing out recently have been great. Umbro are on absolute fire. They are on fire. The, the West Ham uh, is it the away kit? That's the the white one. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. That's a delight as well. Very impressed. Um, and of course, you know, a little more defi- a little one that divided the audience a little bit more was the Hull City 
Um, but there was a lot of positive well, reaction on Twitter from what I was reading in the comments, and a lot of people were very into it. I, I thought a lot of the uh, the feedback was a little bit unfounded, to be honest. Because uh, I, I really liked it as well. I was quite surprised when I think uh, Colby in particular was uh, quite scathing on it. Col- Colby was very scathing. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you could buy one of those and wear it to a Raw game. So I'm not sure what his problem is, to be honest. Oh, I think, look, to be honest, I think you could wear it to like a, a white tie event or something like that. It was <laughs> it was that nice. So Umbro really proving that they can make a good kit. And, um, I mean, to be honest, that should put some of these other big, big names on, on alert because, I mean, Umbro were the classic... Uh, kit maker a long time ago and they were they and, were indeed and with these copy and paste kits that you know we've uh, we we la- wax lyrical well what's the reverse <laughs> of wax lyrical that we always complain about on the uh, on the pod is uh, it lax Nike. lyrical <laughs> yeah exactly that right. was so shit wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> the, um, <laughs> you know those jokes that sound heaps funnier in your head <laughs> hey listen you know you can't win them all but um <laughs> speaking of thanks te- mate thanks speaking of a team that can't win them all um Let's move on to the Ferns. Um, oh, mate. Yeah, in the own goal section for me was just a couple of the um, the last-minute uh, losses for the Ferns. Um, pretty devastating considering that, I mean, you look at the first game against the Netherlands, did such a good job of keeping uh, a really, really good football team out for the most part of the, the game. And then in the last three minutes conceded. Um, and then the same thing happens a couple of games later. In the final game as well, they conceded. Uh, you know, right at the death against Cameroon. So, mm. pretty a real shame. I mean, I think, I think you probably have a. I mean, for different reasons because the Matildas are a different team with different abilities, and obviously we probably expect to go a bit further. But it just similar feelings of what could have been, I suppose, in the Ferns game. Yeah, and yeah, like you, you look at both of those games, and you you were within um, probably a matter of minutes. Um, away from taking away two two draws, mm. which gives mm. you two points potentially. So a little bit of uh, bad luck, but look, the the Matildas knew all about like a, a last gasp uh, loss as well. So just snatching right. snatching snatching a loss uh, from the jaws of a draw, um, and. Like they really are heart wrenching, but like that's what um, like having those really hard tough moments that. It's what makes you makes you better as well. You can either grow from it or you can just sort of fade. Um, uh, in terms of uh, some of my own goals, though, um, for me, uh, this uh, I hate talking about VAR. I honestly do. But VAR, after hitting a bit of a high point uh, during the World Cup, um, when I was saying, oh, no, it's going to be terrible, and people actually saying, oh, no, it was all right, um, it's back to being terrible again. And um, all of this garbage about um, goalkeepers coming uh, a bee's dick off of their line is just infuriating. Like, um, And even, like, I know a lot of Matildas fans will hate me for saying this, but, like, that, um, the Sam Kerr slash uh, Monica uh, own goal against um, the, the winner, the Matildas winner against Brazil... I think that's offside. Like, and for VAR to go back and and um, uh, call that back and say it's a goal, uh, I think is is ridiculous. Um, the that goal in in isolation, I think, all right, that's just a, a, a cock up. But for me, the um, the number of times that uh, penalties have been retaken because goalkeepers have have just come off their line, that is infuriating. That's that's not. Um, and the A League, we've talked about clear and obvious errors. Um, 
but that is not a clear and obvious error. We're talking about like really, really line ball calls and um, VAR is not there to nitpick. VAR is there to pick up the absolute clangor and uh, VAR has not been used uh, to its to its potential, I think, in this tournament. It's been a real, it's been a bit of a blight on the tournament, I think. Well, I always use the comparison with rugby league because I, I watch a, a fair amount of rugby league as well. Mm, and obviously mm. it crept into the game that basically, you know, nine times out of ten, the referee goes to the bunker and the bunker assesses whether or not to try or not. Yeah, it, it's like they do it as, as the norm now it's the in norm rugby now. league, and don't they? And, and the touch judges, I mean, they're just there to put a flag up occasionally when the ball goes into touch. They, 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 they used they're pretty to, pointless, aren't they? They used to be. The, the 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 assistant on the sideline mm. when there was a, a try sc- scored in the corner they were the second or third pair of eyes for the ref and uh, now they they are almost redundant and it's just infuriating because if you think about the length of the game I mean we were watching um, some of the highlights the mini matches I mean you think about maybe half these these highlight packages are just waiting for the VAR, VAR decision. It's 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 got to that point now where the amount of time it takes to make the decision is what's killing people about VAR. I mean, some of these decisions are actually, if you look at it, it like it's like we saw in the commentary, an offside's an offside. I mean, you can argue it to the end of the day, but if they're offside, it usually yeah. is a fact. Like, like the one from the, the Italy decision, game from overnight. Like, sorry, um, the England game from overnight, where yeah, it was it was a uh, uh, sorry, it was not offside, mm-hmm. and VAR like rightly so. Said that it should have been a goal. But it's like, how long does it take? Because, I mean, the yeah. first thing the commentator says is that it took about five minutes to make the decision. Yeah. You can't take that long. Yeah. You can't like, take that long. If you're going to overturn Just, it, you want to be bloody sure, and it should be pretty pretty immediately obvious. I feel right? like that's an internal QA thing that they have in the uh, in the box where they're like, it needs like 30 people to all look at each other and nod before they can actually press the button. And it probably is. But, I mean, yeah. it's, you, just feel, you just get the feeling that if, someone, if there's two people and they sort of made sure that they agreed on it and then quickly just fed the information through, then you wouldn't get these delays. The delays, yeah. for me, is half of it. The delays, is, is is that almost one of your own goals or didn't even, didn't even crack one of it's your own not, goals? It's not even just the, 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 the Women's World Cup that suffered from uh, suffered from this. I mean, it's been everywhere that VAR has been trialled. Yeah. I mean, usually the feedback is... It, it has to be quicker. Long. It has to be quicker, It has it? to be quicker. So they've, they've got to sort it out. Mm. Um. All right. Well, look, we we covered off on almost about three of uh, three of my list of of uh, tournament own goals there. But um, look, uh, I mean, we ca- we can't forget. Uh, I mean, I can't say her name probably, but Wendy Renard's bizarre own, own goal against Norway, where she put a fantastic finish into the back of the net. Fantastic. <laughs> That's the one that came off the shin, wasn't it? No, she, she, she was just like there was no one even near her, and she just buried it into the bottom right. <laughs> and 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 then she puts her hands on her head and goes, "Well, what have I done?" It's got to go down as the own goal of the tournament. Does it does it cancel out uh, her two booming headers from the opening game of the tournament? I mean, you, you can't take those away from her for sure. But um, at that point, France were one 0 up and cruising. Yeah. Um, so it was just one of those bizarre brain explosions that you don't, you just don't see them very often. Yeah, real, real head scratcher that one, wasn't it? Um, it was. Um, I mean, I suppose this, the other thing I was going to say in the own goal category before we move on is just the it's just Thailand getting destroyed thirty nil uh, by the USA. Um, pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, look. So, so what did you think about um, sort of all the the hoo ha about um, the celebrations with this? I, I think you know, end of the day, you're, if you're a professional sports team and you've waited 
you know, years and months to go to a tournament and you just want to win. I mean, you don't really care, I guess. I mean, I, I can't really blame them for the way they behaved after they scored the goals. I mean, you celebrate a goal. So I mean, you don't Morgan, have a problem with it? Well, Morgan's pretty much wrapped up the Golden Boot in one game. Or, oh, well, she, she's equal with Sam Kerr, I think. Obviously, yeah, the Matildas are out of the tournament. Yeah. But, yeah, Alex, uh, Alex Morgan, you'd think had, um, she'll... Well, I mean, if she, you know, I guess it's just the fact that, I mean, Thailand are there because, I mean, they're supposedly meant to be the best team from that area, right, to get there. And that's the whole point of the World Cup is mm. that you want a competition. And in most games, I mean, I look across the rest of the tournament and I can't really fault. I mean, they've been pretty good games. I mean, everything's been pretty close. Mm. But Thailand just, they just got absolutely hung out to dry by the US. And, I mean, you could just say that's just the way it works. But Yeah, and, and look, some people said, oh, yeah, it shows how uncompetitive the tournament is. But, like, One it game. wasn't that long ago we were talking about Saudi Arabia getting absolutely bloody pollocked against um, uh, Germany at the 2002 World Cup. And, look... Asian teams have come a long, long way since then. I mean, it, even at that tournament alone, you had um, South Korea made the semi. So, look, I don't think you can put that one down to just being sort of Asian Asian competition or, or anything like that. Mm. If anything, it probably shows that uh, women's football is, is still developing in some areas of the world. And um, mm. so, yeah, I, I, look, I didn't have any problem either with uh, the way that they celebrated the goals. It's a, it's a major tournament. And it's, uh, you, even even that thirteenth goal, you're still celebrating that like it's and it's uh, an own goal that I can't even really like point to someone and be like, "This is why it's an own goal." I just find it an own goal because you know you watch the game and you just you don't feel good watching any team win thirteen nil. It's just no, I mean even uh, even we won seven nil on the weekend. Uh, oh, that's right. Well, we're, we're used to it, but, but but even still, even the seventh goal, we were still celebrating. So <laughs> uh, look one one final. Um, own goal to, to wrap things up uh, before we move on to, I guess, covering uh, the Matildas is, uh, in, fact, in, in fact, it actually involved one of the uh, Matildas games, which was the final game. And it was Sam Kerr's final uh, final goal as well, which was uh, involved uh, Nicole McClure, uh, the, the standing goalkeeper for Jamaica. And obviously, she was probably feeling pretty flat already. She'd already conceded three goals. But uh, with Sam Kerr closing her down, Basically, she's just kind of shut the bed a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Sam Kerr has uh, nipped in, uh, stolen the ball, and ended up uh, scoring a goal. And, look, a couple of things stood out for me. Obviously, Sam Kerr is an absolute Clydesdale with how much work she gets through. Uh, and how quick she is as well, but Second, look, uh, secondly, no Schneider, no party. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I, I I did feel a little bit for McClure. Like that was just a really like that was her only game that she played in because uh, obviously uh, Sydney Snyder Schneider. played in the other game, other two games, and uh, that was Jamaica's final match before they went home. And for that to be McClure's sort of final involvement in the tournament was a little bit sad, but. Um, yeah, she would have been beating herself up, I imagine, a little bit after after that. But just the way the cookie crumbled, I guess, unfortunately. It is. Um, but anyway, so look, uh, let's leave the uh, uh, the general discussion around the tournaments uh, thus far. And we'll uh, uh, shortly we'll be discussing the Matildas and, and how they've gone at the tournament. Felice Cullen Knight into the net. Oh! Australia have got themselves back on level terms. It's their first effort on target. 
for some time. Norway have finally been breached. And it's 1-1. And Australia very much back in this round of 16 match. All righty. So, uh, unfortunately... Everyone is now aware that uh, the Matildas uh, were knocked out by uh, Norway on Sunday morning, the early hours of Sunday morning. But uh, it's not how the tournament started. Well, actually, it is kind of how it started. Um, It was a little bit of a a rough start for the girls. Uh, They played uh, Italy in the first match. went uh, behind to to an early goal and then uh, sort of thought that they'd uh, leveled it up um, and that they were and they were then pushing for a late goal uh, a late winner but unfortunately it wasn't to be in in Italy our uh, our old foes from the 2006 uh, men's world cup uh, they ended up getting uh, a winner late late in injury time 95th minute um, which meant that Italy took all three points in that one and that look that that loss really, really hurt, I think. And uh, me, me as a fan, that hurt to watch. And I, I can't imagine what the what the atmosphere must have been like in the changing rooms. Um, uh, Jesse, was was there any positives that you took out of that or any, any comments that you wanted to make? Or Well, my biggest concern going into the tournament, just, you know, obviously living here and hearing all the talk about the Matildas, was mm. just, just the, the coach change. Mm. And, I mean, I know we took, it can be considered an elephant in the room, or if it was, it was certainly the elephant was out of the room by the end of the tournament. But, I mean, I coming into the World Cup, I don't think I've ever seen a team uh, in any, like, you know, whether it be women's football or men's football, um, be able to sustain new manager bounce throughout an entire tournament. It's, it's the same as a Premier League, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can get through a couple of games maybe positively or you can get through a couple of games negatively, but it's very hard to just... I mean, Spain's a case in point when they... Oh, uh, yeah. A week that out from the World Cup, they yeah. lose it. I mean, that sort of stuff, at the time, everybody pretends it's okay. Um, when you hear ex-Matildas on the panel, I mean, I know I'm just referring to Optus Sport in between the... Uh, in the that breaks. is the panel, like, I mean, they're, the they're authoritative. Uh-huh. I mean, they're visibly distressed and devastated after the Italian game, and I know that emotions are flying because you've just lost in the last minute against Italy, but mm. it's how you lost, right? Yeah. And for me, that sort of stuff's inexplicable. I mean, I, I figured that he, he was going to come in uh, and he was going to basically... Maybe jiggle a couple of things, but just keep it the way it was and just trust the, the way that the girls have been playing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, and Ole's at the wheel, you know, I'm a coach, but really I'm just directing you guys to an extent. Yeah. You girls, to an extent. And I sort of thought, well, I just couldn't believe in that game that, first of all, I mean, if you're going to shake anything up, you maybe your attack, but why would you change your defence? Why would you, why would you in, in, in employ a high line yeah. After being with the group for under a month or two months or something? Like, that's just madness. And, and taking such a drastic change to their sort of style of play, it did, I, I agree, it did seem um, odd, but also high risk as well. Like, you've had all of this preparation to play a certain way, and then um, that high line, which. Um, it's it's hard to do, and like I I watched West Ham obviously, and uh, one of Pellegrini's things is that they have a uh, they play a high line, and it took them probably a good ten games to figure it out, and that's that's a club team that's mm. that's uh, um, that's uh, training together every day, all all day, uh, and had a preseason together, mm. and it, so it took them about three months to to work it out, and the Matildas. To their credit, uh, 
basically had about what a few weeks together to to then implement it at the World Cup, which only comes around every four years. And I find that incredible too, because coming from a rugby background, coaching is different. It's not like a manager in football. It's like in coaching and rugby, it's like you've you've got your set skills, and then you slightly tweak the uh, the way you play the game. I mean, a coach directs, but the 15 guys on the field are very much like in control. Whereas mm. in football, it's like... A bit more like cricket, isn't it? In football, mm. it's like if your manager says you do something, you have to play that way, even if you might be 100% at odds in your head with the way mm-hmm. that the style is, you just have to do it right. Yep. And I, I, I remember in the reverse, when I was um, obviously in New Zealand in the 20, 2010 World Cup, Ricky Herbert came under, under the microscope in, in the New Zealand media because he got us through both Italy and, and Slovenia, I think Slovenia or Slovakia, and then the final game against Paraguay, everybody wanted him to have a go. Mm. Everybody wanted him to have a go. And he was thinking, hey, listen, you know, if I get through the World Cup unbeaten, then I'm going to be the New Zealand coach that got us through unbeaten. So what happens? It was like the most boring 0-0 draw. Two teams and, playing for nil all. Mm. And, I mean, his legacy, I mean, is of someone who got us through unbeaten at the World Cup. But, I mean, he didn't have a go. And that's... The absolute opposite to what I felt was happening with the Matildas. I think that there's that feeling of like you almost put the shackles on, yeah, and rather than let them off the shackles. It's funny because, ironically, in this case, uh, Ante Milicic sort of talked about a bit like what uh, Ange talked about, which was unshackling the team and, yeah. and making sure they did have a go. But this this wasn't a team that had been stifled by. Um, a previous six years of European coaches who didn't really believe in their technical qualities um, in the same way that Ange did that um, believing in the in the men's team. This was a team that was that was winning, was very successful, didn't need to overhaul its playing style. And that's so, what I mean about ego, because I mean in our case with the with Herbert, it was like, well, he it's it's almost like he he thought his legacy was more important than the New Zealand result. And people can sort of say, well, does he really? I mean, he's, he can't be that sort of, you know. Mm. But, I mean, some managers are like that. And and I thought to myself, I mean, it's like, if it ain't broke, it don't, don't fix it. And we went and saw the Matildas um, a matter of weeks before they went overseas. We, we watched them play against Argentina. Yeah, yeah. And and that was pretty flowing flowing football. And that was just, so it's just yeah. such a shame. And, and obviously they're not the same team. Um, but we... There were warning signs there as well against, uh, I think it was the Netherlands that they, they got beaten 3-0 on the eve of the World Cup. So, um, yeah, there, there were really worrying signs there. And uh, obviously all of that came home in that uh, that first game against Italy. Um, and it looked as though it, things would be pretty dire again in uh, the second match when Brazil uh, went up into a, a two-goal lead. Mm-hmm. And it looked as though the game was, was near on finished. Um, but fortunately, uh, the Matildas uh, struck back with a goal just before um, uh, before half time, and that really turned the tide. As well as Marta and Formiga uh, both uh, being subbed off, and arguably two of their sort of most influential players. I think that, and you really did see the spirit of the girls really shone through, and that that for me was a 
like I think if there's a, a moment that you can be proud of the Matildas from in mm. that tournament, it's how they came out in that second half against Brazil because look, I think they um, they should always beat a team like Jamaica because there is a massive golfing class there. But Brazil is very much a, a peer nation uh, in, in the women's game. And so and Brazil's uh, not a one-man team. I mean, I know there's an argument for saying that Formiga, which means ant in Portuguese, <laughs> I mean, has been carrying the team on her back for a number of years, but um, <laughs> huge work ethic. But um, I, I think that if you look at that team, I mean, especially Christiane up front, I mean, I, I noted her as, as just an absolute weapon in this yep. material, uh, in this um. And we saw how good uh, Debinha was for uh, Brazil overnight against England as well. She's just extremely dangerous player. So dangerous. Um, so, you know, no mean feat. I mean, you think about the amount of pressure. I mean, you you, you lose to Italy and then your next game is against Brazil. I mean, huge pressure. Huge pressure. And considering they were meant to have beaten Italy quite comfortably. I mean, I said in, in the preview that I didn't really think Italy... Like Italy would just but, be happy to be there, but, but, but they but, turned out to be very, very competitive. But I suppose a good a good question on the back of that is is why why did we think that they were going to get through relatively easily? I mean, mm. that's the question I have because that's where I, I sort of again point the finger a little bit towards the media because it's the media sort of beating them up, and I mean, it, it's beating them but up. Just beating them up or beating like, them up? But like basically saying they're going to be like they started to believe their own press. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's yep. like it's and and I, that's what I mean. Like I mean, if you look at that Italy game, I mean Sam Kerr got the penalty, and after that, I mean it's just some really poor moments. I mean that back pass, uh, I mean, well not the mm. back pass, no, sorry, the first it was, touch. It wasn't, it was, the I first think you're talking about was yep. just. I remember watching that, yeah, watching that live and just thinking that's just that's the stuff of horror stories at World Cups. Yeah, you know? and look, we I think even uh, like Colby and I were guilty of getting carried away as well. Like we were talking uh, a little bit tongue in cheek, but I think we really were sort of buying into that idea that yep, like the Matildas could go and win mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. f- frankly, pretty much they only played like they should have won it in the second half against Jamaica and the second half against Brazil. That's not good out of four matches, is it? No. Like, um, Again, so that, I think that sort of brings it full circle to our conversation about the coach because I think that regardless of the coach's tactics, mm. I think you just have to take a step back and be like, you lost a coach. doesn't matter. You know, there's obviously... Yep. There's obviously um, a separate conversation about the reasons behind that and all that sort of thing, but you've 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 lost your coach that mm. has been your coach for the last um, how many years? Like mm-hmm. what? I think you've been there for three three, three years. years or something I mean, like that. You can't you can't pretend that it's not going to be a disruption. But actually, no. I think you've been there since the previous World Cup. So that's huge. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so I guess um, I mentioned it briefly just then uh, uh, about. Uh, obviously, Brazil were up uh, 2-1 at half-time in, in that match. Um, but the Matildas, uh, they they showed real character, I think, in the, that second half. And probably what was their best uh, best half of the tournament to uh, to defeat uh, Brazil. And with somewhat in fortuitous circumstances, noting the dodgy nature of that third uh, Matildas goal with uh, Monica's uh, own goal. Um, but still, I think they probably deserve... Well, some some would argue that they did deserve it. I, I think they did deserve it, uh, the the win in that game. And it, it um, tied things up nicely so that um, the Matildas could still finish second in the group um, if, if results went their way. And they, they ended up getting the goal difference required to go, um, to go second in the group after uh, Sam Kerr just put on a show against, uh, against Jamaica and really um, 
really hurt them. Uh, obviously, she played well. The girls were much more confident. Um, and things looked as though that, that that Brazil game had been a bit of a turning point. But there were still sort of some warning signs there. Like, you saw Jamaica really get uh, the... Uh, the, get on the front foot. I think it was maybe the first sort of 15 minutes of that second half against Jamaica where Jamaica looked really threatening. And whilst they uh, they did get one back sort of later in the in the second half, the game was pretty much dead then anyway once I think the Matildas had scored a third goal. So um, it came back to like what we were discussing earlier about the, the girls playing that high line and it never really looked convincing in any of the games. Um, to the point where even in uh, even in the uh, the round of sixteen match against Norway, mm. it did appear as though um, they kind of sacrificed it a little bit that that tactic that idea and and they were playing somewhat deeper, but it also meant that they they weren't as potent going forward either. Sam Kerr was isolated. Uh, a lot of the midfielders were having to work harder because there was a bigger gap between the midfield and 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 Sam Kerr. And it was uh, it was a real challenge, and it meant that the likes of uh, Ellie Carpenter had to track even further forward and back because h- huge things were being asked of her. But there's no but there's there's no room for a slight discomfort in your strategy when you're at that stage of the tournament. When yeah, you knockout football. Um, you're playing against a team that I mean, you know, brilliant team, brilliant players. Mm. You know, it's it's like that old adage. It's like if you play against a team that's on par with you, if not better, you have to be perfect on the night. You, mm. have, to, you have to play to your absolute potential. If you play anything below that, or you have a slightly off night, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes out in the wash. At the end of the game, you're not going to be able mm. to hang on for ninety minutes, and that's just it's a it's a shame. I mean, it, it's it's a, it's also a shame for the for for the Matildas because they did equalise later on. Yeah, and they did manage to take it to to the, the to penalties and extra penalties, time. Yeah, and it's yeah. just even the penalties, just the the way that it panned out, it was just such a an anticlimax for them, and real shame. Well, and yeah, like I I don't remember a penalty shootout being that one sided. Like normally, both teams will get their first, and if they miss their first, they at least get the second. But Wow, they like Steph Catley stepped up for the Matildas' third penalty, and obviously stroked at home, but. By that point, it, the game was over. Like the the shootout was already done. Like, um, and it was it, it was bizarre. I've I've never seen a penalty shootout like that, um, where both uh, where one team has missed both of their first penalties. Um, pretty bizarre stuff. And you, and you have to be sort of you have to be sort of battle hardened to an extent when you want to be a a tournament winning team. You've got to you've got to be in the grind. You've got to have, you have to got to be so mentally strong. You have you? to have been in the grind before. I mean, Norway had their setbacks early in the tournament. Um, they haven't, you know, they've just managed to bounce back and respond positively. And I just think that, I mean, it's a real shame with the Italy result because I just, you just have to wonder how the tournament would have unfolded for the Matildas had they not had the Italy result um, yeah, psychologically. That's, that's a really good point. I, I think if, if only we could play out that alternate reality, right? Um, but look... We've we've talked uh, previously in the past about the the Socceroos and how they go out sort of after brave results, brave losses. Weren't they courageous? All of that kind of thing. And I, I've got to say, I was I was really disappointed with uh, the Matildas' results. Like like I said, they probably played two two good halves of, of football in out of what eight, mm. where they really did play to sort of their potential and, and show us what they were capable of. But but outside of that, I, I thought they were really really disappointing and. Look, that's that's the Matildas as a as a whole. That's not 
just the coach or just the players. It's it's the whole package, and I think they're not uh, inseparable. Uh, you have to you have to treat you have to judge them as one. And as, as unfortunate as that might be, I think it it's the the coach that prepares them. It's the players that go there go out there and do the business, and ultimately they didn't do the business. So um, yeah, really, really disappointing tournament. I thought they they, they were pretty pretty poor in in, in patches, and um, particularly um, I, I thought um, Alana Kennedy was was pretty good in, uh, for most of the game, but Steph Catley she had an absolute stinker of a tournament. I really you, you, like her. You I think she's a carpenter before on the positive side. She was fantastic. Yeah, she was. She was probably the one really big shining light out of mm. the tournament. Um, I thought Sam Kerr, she struggled at times and ended up uh, getting sort of shunted out to the wing at times just to keep her involved in the game, which showed how much she, I think, was even struggling just with, I guess, the added, uh, I guess, some of the responsibility in some ways, but really tough tournament. Didn't play with a smile on her face, and that's kind of going back to what I said earlier. I I think if you just look at it, with you know, you look back Mm, at it and you watch the way she is and the way she played, um, as I said before, I don't know if it's a PR thing and the way that she's been been spoken to internally by her peers or, or, or the sort of the feeling that people were uh, bullying her on social media mm. or all those sort of things that definitely like appear to be a reality. But at the end of the day, if if you're not smiling and you're not enjoying your goals, and I mean that's that's a worrying sign, I think, in a player. And the Matildas had always really worn worn their sort of pleasure for the game on their sleeves, right? And always looked as though they were having so much fun out there. And this this looked tough for them. Like it looked like they were really wearing that uh, responsibility and that expectation on their on their backs. Um, but mate, what, what were your thoughts? Did you have any? Uh, w- were you personally disappointed about um, the Matildas? Obviously, you don't have the same emotional connection to them as as what I might. But I know that you you did watch mm. uh, watch mm. a lot of the games, and you yeah. like we yeah. we watched the first game together. That's right. I mean, it, it, I, I am I am disappointed for them, and I I think that you know I look at the names that have gone through to the final round of sixteen, and you just it, I, sorry, you know, obviously Australia did make the final round of sixteen, but just the other teams that are left, yeah, and you just sort of think, well. They, a bit unlucky. They, uh, they're unlucky. I mean, they deserve to. I mean, you know, deserves a very interesting word too, because again, like you know, do they? Deserve, <laughs> it, well, it implies yeah, some sort of like entitlement. Um, right? Yes, exactly. But exactly. You you just kind of felt like you wanted. You feel like you've, in a way, as a fan, you've been robbed of a game against you know Spain or the US or something that never happened. You know, yeah. and that's that's the real shame. But at yep. the end of the day, I mean, Italy. I mean, we'll see how Italy goes against uh, China, for example. I mean, if Italy progressed past that and they keep going, I mean, Italy's... Taking on to a roll, right? On a roll, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is just the way tournament football works. I, I, I almost wonder if the Matilda's dominance in recent years kind of worked against them in the end. You, you, as like I said, they peaked too early? Well, I mean, that's what I mean about being a battle-hardened team. I mean, if, mm-hmm. you, if you're Norway, for example, and you're playing... Other Scandinavian teams and Europe. I mean, you look at the quality in Europe, and it's like you've had to dig yourself out with a, a penalty shootout or extra time on other occasions. You're used to the grind, and I, I, I don't know if the Matildas, from from what I from the way that I watched the tournament, it didn't look like a team that was used to the grind, and that maybe to the, the tactics was a bit foreign to them. Mm. But, they didn't um, look as sure of themselves as I think I'd seen in previous games. It, it reminds me a little bit of how. Um 
sort of pre Xavi and Iniesta, Spain used to just blitz qualifying and then would absolutely choke as soon as they got anywhere near uh, World Cup finals um, because they they weren't used to having to sort of grind out matches like like you said and um, yeah like I think we did we peaked a little bit too early um, but yeah look um, uh, unfortunately we're gonna have to pretty much uh, call it there and wrap it up there though so. Um, it's uh, been a been a disappointing tournament from the Matildas' perspective and the the, the football ferns as well. Um, but look, there's still plenty of football uh, to be played at both the, the Women's World Cup and uh, and Copper America. So um, we're only what uh, we're not even halfway through the, the round of sixteen games. So still plenty of plenty of football to go. Um, have you got a final shout out? Who, who do you think is going to win it, Jesse? Um, yeah, well, jeez. I mean, really tough. I mean, the USA just always look unstoppable. So strong, but, aren't but they? Fr- France at home looked like a bit of a, a bit of a juggernaut as well. It's it's a shame, you know, because uh, it looks as though they will they will play each other, assuming they Too both early. win in uh, the round of. Well, if if the United States beat Spain, they'll play each other in the quarterfinals. Mm. Uh, next Saturday, next Saturday morning, Australian time. So that's that for a lot of people should be the World Cup final. Uh, also, just a quick shout out to the commentator on the Germany Nigeria game. Uh, not being able to risk Leah Schurler's goal surely means Germany are going through. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> really, uh, really couldn't let that one go by. Yeah, I think whoever wins that uh, that France USA game, I think they're going to go go ahead and win the tournament. Huge. All right, uh, we're, we're going to leave things there, though. Uh, look, thanks for tuning in. hope you've enjoyed the pod, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Cheers.